This is the 60th edition of WFAE Talks. I'm WFA's news director, Greg Collard, and I'm joined by assistant news direct- director, Lisa Worf, and money and influence reporter, Tom Bullock. Hello, guys. Hey. Hello. 60. 60, yes. Five more podcasts, and you can uh, get full podcast social security. Absolutely. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Take advantage of it while you can. Yeah, all kind of royalties will be flowing my way. and Keep know, counting on whatever. that. Yeah. <laughs> As your money and influence reporter, my answer is... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, you were uh, you were on a weird story this week uh, concerning a guy named uh, Malcolm Mac Button uh, Butner. Butner, yeah, Malcolm Back Mac Butner, the Rowan County Elections Board Chairman, and uh, he uh, the State Board of Elections didn't think he belonged on the R- Rowan County Board of Elections because he had posted on social media such things like. To hell with the lesbos, queers, liberals, and baby killers, tweeted during the Confederate flag debate, God bless the Confederate States of America. And then there was a something on that post that said, uh, illegally occupied since 1865, referring to the United States. Well, you say, yeah, something on that post. Occupied. That, yeah, that, that last he, bit, illegally occupied, was superimposed over a, a image flag. of the Confederate battle flag. Oh, and then uh, Moral Monday protesters, he writes, gee, they are all black. I guess the white folk could not get off because they were too busy working and being productive, good citizens. And this guy's on the, the chairman of the Rowan County Board of Elections. How the hell is that, did that come to be? Wow. Uh, that is the question <laughs> of the hour. Um, for those people who don't know, the uh, Rowan County... Board of Elections chairman, in fact, every county chairman of a board of election is there to do something really simple, but very, I mean, simple in concept, difficult in practice. Make sure that all elections are completely inclusive so everyone feels welcome. Make sure that they're run in a fair and nonpartisan way. So these, uh, the Facebook posts and the tweets you just read, the, the interesting thing is this guy was, Mac Butner was um, appointed to the position this July. So mm-hmm. like, what, 10 weeks ago, roughly. And some of these predate uh, predate these. Significantly. In fact, all of them predate them. They predate them by as much as two years, but they go up until literally a month before he was appointed. So how the Rowan County Republican Party and the state Republican Party didn't notice that all this was going on, didn't see um, basically what Mac Butner was very proud to put out on social media and as his representation on social media, how they didn't know his views is beyond me. Um, what, what was it about him that made him appoint him in the first place? I mean, I mean if they didn't know about this, uh, what, what is his, his job? He's a real, he's a real estate broker. I mean, he's a real estate he politically broker. active, he's I assume. He's very politically active. He was already serving at that time as the, uh, the chairman of the Rowan County Housing Authority. Oh, which that's, is, that's appropriate. It's a lovely thing for somebody who is very disparaging <laughs> uh, against African-Americans to be running the Section 8 and uh, public housing programs. Um, <laughs> No, you know, honestly, we don't know. The, the process is a little strange, but this is how it basically works. The party, in this case the Republicans, um, they put up three people. They submit these three people to be, as their picks, to be appointed to this position. Now, it's it, it, it's rare if it ever it's happened that's, that uh, the state board says no. None of these are good, or the, or the state party says no. Um, so they put all these people up, and it's supposed to be in order. It's supposed to be their preference for number one, then number two, and number three. Um, from the beginning, or from the beginning of this controversy, when it really boiled over, the Republican State Party has said, 
uh, this was a clerical error. And the Rowan County Republicans said this was a clerical error. He was never supposed to be the one who was picked. He was supposed to be third, not first on their list. But, but it's not a clerical. He still, he still made, made the, list. the list. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's still third if you buy that argument. And how it is that you could accidentally put first to third and third to first on a three-person list, I'm not sure. So all I have to do is say whoever number two was, you're the only one. Like number two, they nailed. But one and three, by their own accounts, they messed up in a big way. So how he got picked, how he went through all this, I, I, you know, all you can think of, and this is this is not to be disrespectful to anybody, but it just, you know, Rowan County is a very Republican, largely rural place. Um Mac Butner is, you know, he put this on his Twitter profile, you know, church growing Christian, just a good old Tar Heel classic Republican conservative. And after all this has come out, I'm willing to bet there are a lot of Republican Christian Tar Heel conservative North Carolinians that want nothing to do with this guy mm-hmm. because it, you know, it, it's as bad as it sounds. Yeah. I mean, it's anti-American. It's just, yeah, it's, well, it's in many ways. And, 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 you know, the funny thing is, too, is he... Um, illegally occupied by... The, oh, yeah. Since 1865. Well, I mean, you know, come the on. Is, the thing I find interesting, too, and I, this to me is... It's such an it's such an odd argument. Um, he he basically said this is all part of a witch hunt, that it, this is political correctness, cops running amok. Um, and he didn't say this in front of the state board hearing. I'll get to that in a second. But he's, you know, this is... Those liberals um, going after him because, you know, he's stated his mind and he has the freedom of speech. He has his First Amendment rights. Well, you know what? That is true. Mm -hmm. Everybody does have First Amendment rights. However, when he became (laughs) the, you know, chairman of a board of elections for a county, he agreed to their social media policy. And he agreed to additional rules to limit certain activities to make sure that there never is the appearance of impropriety, let alone the actual act of impropriety. So what really nailed him in the end is the fact that he never took down these posts and that he continued to like on Facebook or otherwise endorse Republican candidates actively, which you are actually barred from doing when you take that post because you're supposed to run the office in a nonpartisan way. So he just... He flaunted the system and didn't really care. Even though you're elect, you're appointed through a partisan process. Yeah, yeah. And to, it, I realize yeah. it sounds silly, but yeah. you know, it still has that appearance of impropriety. And, I know, I and it's such an easy thing to take down the likes. Mm-hmm. It's such an easy thing to hide on Facebook or Twitter things that you've said in the past, things that are really inflammatory. I'm really glad that this guy either didn't care to or wasn't smart enough to because otherwise we wouldn't know who was in that position. Yeah. And it actually, is an important position. In my experience working with. Um, Boards of uh, board of elections people, no matter what party they're from, they are even though they are appointed through a, a partisan process. They usually are people who are very take that oath seriously. Absolutely. I mean, they really. I mean, and it's a process yes. job. You're not mm-hmm. you're not right. a partisan. You're a processian, as it were. Like your job is the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the other thing. I, and I, I said I would get back to this, so let me get back to it really quickly. What was fascinating to me is. Um, so Mac Butner had recently had surgery. He's recovering from surgery, uh, apparently uh, related to, to uh, diabetes. And he said that he couldn't come to the hearing, which was in Raleigh, because he was recovering from this medical condition. But the State Board of Elections said, well, when can you come? Well, you know, do you need a week? Do you need a month? Do you want to do it by phone? Mm-hmm. And he just said no to all of it. Um, so what they did is they called up um, this woman named Nancy Evans, who is the director of the Rowan County Board of Is this Election. during the hearing? This is during the hearing. I listened to the whole thing. Oh, they wow. called her up. 
and they they asked two very important series of questions. Um, as far as why he wasn't there to defend himself, and I, you know, the chairman of the state board of election had a great line. It's like we've given this guy every chance in the world to prove he's not a bigot, <laughs> but he can't take the time to do that. And so they're talking to Nancy Evans, and Nancy Evans is like, well, you know, was asked when was the last time you spoke with him, and she's like, oh, a couple of days ago. How did he say why he couldn't come? Well, he's recovering from surgery, um, but you did this all by phone. Yeah. Is there any reason that he would be unable to attend this conference by phone as we invited him to do? And she's like, I can't think of any. <laughs> so he literally just didn't want to do it. But the other thing, and it's important to note, the vote here is, is mm -hmm. blatant as we're making all this sound, and I think the case is relatively blatant, uh, was three to two. They barely voted to remove him. And the reason was based off what Ms. Evans also said, which is um, the secretary of the State Board of uh, Elections asked Ms. Evans if she'd seen anything in Butner's actions um, that impinged on his duties, if his statements in any way had affected his job performance. And she just said he's been very professional at meetings. Hmm. And really, he hasn't been around long enough to do much right. more <laughs> than that. The primaries, all those things, they were pretty much already in the works by the time he was appointed. Mm -hmm. So that's really all he's been there. So the two people who voted to keep him, to allow him to stay in that post – did so because they said we haven't seen an impact on his job performance, so they disagreed with the principal. But nobody, nobody defended his actions. How long was this hearing? Uh, it was about eh, about an hour, roughly an hour. Well, are they going to get? Are they correcting the clerical error they made <laughs> for the next round? Yeah, are they are they going to submit the guy they or the, or the woman they? <laughs> I'm, they, I'm, they, pulling they <laughs> I'm pulling for number two. I'm pulling for number two. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, uh, Lisa, you've been covering a lot of school news this week. There's been a couple of school board meetings you've, you've attended yeah, this week. Yeah, it's been a big uh, CMS week. So uh, they have a lot of stuff going on. And one of the the big things is uh, redrawing the boundaries for schools. And this is uh, for the plan that's going to go in place in 2017, 2018. So this is like a ways down the, down the road. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing right now is coming up with um, the concepts that will guide them in actually redrawing the lines. Um, so they had a meeting, the policy committee uh, had a meeting, and Rhonda Linden is not on that uh, uh, committee, but she felt she needed to drop by or by phone um, to talk about, you know, what kind of theory, how they want to approach this. And it, it will be different than how it's currently. Um, the current way uh, that the district approaches boundaries is that it's all about what are called homeschools. So mm -hmm. these are schools that are ideally uh, close to you, not necessarily the school that's closest because it can be really difficult to draw these lines and figure in new neighborhoods and everything, but it's really uh, prioritizing uh, homeschools as opposed to magnets, which are schools that uh, parents can choose to send uh, their kids to um, through, you know, many of them are throughout the district. It doesn't matter where you live. Um, and in what they're discussing now, they're discussing a few different options, but it's clear that um, magnets are going to play a bigger role and there's going to be more of an eye toward uh, diversifying schools. So there's, Through magnets or boundaries? Uh, both. Okay. Yeah, both. 
Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of CMS schools that have, you know, high percentages of, of kids uh, from low income families. How drastic are we talking about boundary changes? Are we looking at, you know, really uh, gerrymandering these in a way that. Uh, That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, how, how, what, what is the discussion a lot? It's going to be a school district that follows I-95. Right. From there you go. To there you go. Yeah. Yeah. 77, 85. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not clear to what extent, uh, what board members have said. And many of the, the school board candidates say, Hey, we're not talking busing. And of course, um, there were there was busing here for um, several decades, increased busing as far as trying to diversify mm-hmm. schools. Um, that there are other ways to do this, but it's really hard to to see how this happens. I don't know I how mean, they can do that. Mm-hmm. The streetcar, it's not a bus. <laughs> there you so, go. So uh, you go. how do you do that? Then uh, are they, is it is the priority just getting partial magnets into schools and they and they can take people from anywhere? Is that what? Or I mean, how do you do that without changing? The boundaries or they're just saying that slight tweaks can take care of this. Sure. Magnets are a big are going to be a big part of that that plan. And you already see the district uh, opening up more magnet schools, magnet programs over the last couple of years. Um, and Tuesday night school board meeting, uh, Superintendent Ann Clark basically laid out what she wants to see over the next couple of years with magnets. And so there would be, you know, opening up at least a handful of these schools um, next year and the following year. Um, So, yes, there is this idea that magnets can be a way to, like, voluntarily uh, diversify schools as far as socioeconomics. And, I mean, there are examples, and and this was the original intent of magnets when when they kind of saw a resurgence in the the 90s in the district. Um, And, yes, there are magnets that do have diverse, high-performing students across races, um, but there's not that many. and Most the, of them are pretty much all black or majority or all white. Exactly, exactly. There's a, there's a lot of them that are, are, that are, mo- are, are white. Where most, most of them are located in the, in, where are most of them located? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's some areas, uh, a lot, you know, the northern part of the county, the southeast part of the county, where there haven't been many right. magnets at all. Um, and yeah, a lot of them are uh, a little bit more centrally located. That's changing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, so so the district hired this um, group called Magnet Schools of America to come in and basically assess all their magnet schools and you know where where what they're doing well and where uh, they're missing the boat on stuff. And um, you know, they said they looked at, at things and said, yeah, you know. It, there isn't. There are some schools with diversity, but there's a lot of schools uh, where there isn't diversity. And if this is what you're trying to do, part of the what you're trying to accomplish with magnets, um, you know, you need to relook at this. And and magnets are a big deal too, um, because you have school board members looking at all these charters that are sprouting up, um, and you know, CMS gets within its boundaries gets. You know, I feel like for schools or so, new ones every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, it's pulling kids from the public schools. And, of course, that means that, you know, I, I mean, the, the dollars follow the kids and mm-hmm. and um, so, so, zero funds for CMS. So can, can they, can they, are there, where do they, can they put these? Because there are so many schools that are 
packed uh, homeschools that are packed as it is, uh, thinking where my son goes for being one, but just they can they even put partial magnets in a lot of these schools? Um, I mean, they'll have to look at their capacity levels I mean, and see. And it's not just about partial magnets. It's about opening full-on magnets. Oh, just just, new, just opening new magnets, period, making them full As, magnets. Yeah, possibly. Okay. And now, you know, there are some vacant buildings. You know, when, when a school mm-hmm. opens up, you get a new school building. There's often an oh. old one across the street. And they're saying, like, well, maybe well, we there's some school. way that we can upfit that school to um, serve as a magnet. Hmm. Um, so they're looking at a lot of, a lot of different options on that. And, um, you know, that's, that's one plan and, you know, in all of these plans, you know, diversity is, is pretty high up on the list and the current guidelines, you know, that's, it's in there, but it's like way, you know, way down on what's, what should be a priority. That's kind of interesting. I, diversity is really high up on the list. Would you say it's higher than improving or maintaining academic standards at these schools? No, they, it goes arm in arm mm-hmm. with that. I mean, it's it's kind of like up there in the second sentence besides besides that. Um, but, you know, the thought is school members have said, look, the research says students at schools with high concentrations of poverty, you know, research shows that, um, you know, they have less of a chance to succeed. Sure. And so we feel that this is a key way to improve performance at schools. Um are magnets getting a priority over other schools? I mean, is this all, if all this effort is going into magnets, what happens to the other schools? Well, that's what I asked Eric Davis. I said, so, okay, you're putting an emphasis on, you want to put an emphasis on magnet schools, um, but then what about the the homeschools? And he said, well, it's, you know, we wouldn't be spending less. You know, it's not that we'd be spending less on the homeschools. Uh, we're just trying to have, have more options. And I, I, don't have my head around exactly um, how that works, but they're saying this would be sort of an equal an equal emphasis. The guidelines, they hope to approve these sometime in the spring, and then they'll go forward from there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is going to be a discussion for a while, and um, I believe the next uh, policy committee meeting is November 12th. There's going to be a survey that goes out to, to parents, and I don't know how specific that survey will be or uh, if it'll tip the hat as far as the things that um, the board is considering. But, um, yeah, it'll be a discussion for a while, and then there's a, a school board election November 3rd. Are they worried about peop- an exodus from CMS no matter what they do? Uh, the, the- <laughs> Well, I mean, how I much? Mean, are, I mean, is it they're worried about an exodus if they if they don't offer more magnets? Are they worried about an exodus if people if they don't draw the line? If people aren't happy with how the lines are being drawn, are they worried? Is this yeah, stuff coming up? Yeah, I mean, up? I think I think that is very much on on people's minds. In fact, um, you know, in that same conversation with Eric Davis about okay, how are you going to do this if you're not going to have increased busing? And you know, is is that on the table at all? He said, you know, there's there's not an appetite and his concern is is uh that parents will just take their kids out of cms and uh find charter schools or or private schools and of course um leave an even higher you know concentration of of poverty in in the district Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, another thing you've been working on, I think, we'll give a little preview. I didn't tell you you were going to talk about this a little, but okay. I want to give a, a little taste because I find Ooh, it the it, teaser. A little. You're working on something, uh, a, something going on called no nonsense nurturing, a new teaching method that's going on in some of the Project Lift schools. Mm-hmm. I know you're you've been going to some training sessions. Give us a little bit about what that's about, just to. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's it's an intriguing way to, to run a classroom. So uh, it's in the, the Project Lift schools. They're, uh, over the last two years, they've been bringing this uh, to the schools. And it's a teaching method. And, and they'll say it's like sort of a whole framework for how you run a, a school. But um, it's, you know, kids come into the classroom and you start this narration of, of what they're doing. And you are very specific with your instructions, what you expect out of students, um, you know, how to sit, for example, to um, it's not just like read a read a passage and answer these questions. It's turn to page 20, read this passage, and then they would have like volume levels for their voice, you know, in a in a number two uh, voice level, discuss with your neighbors the questions and write them down. Um, and the idea is that this gives you a much greater control of your classroom and that you're not praising students for doing the things that are expected of them, that you can give compliments, but this is for sort of group work or someone doing something extraordinary. Well, with that teaser, let's call it a show. <laughs> All right. In a school. In a school. <laughs> School's out now. <laughs> WFA Talks is out. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks.